Thank you, Ginny, for that beautiful song. Wasn't it great? It shouldn't amaze me. It really shouldn't because I always pray that the message will coincide with the song and vice versa. And it really did, as you'll see this morning as we, we study the Word of God together. But shall we look to the Lord in a word of prayer before we begin this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power of Your Word. We thank You for Your presence in our lives that You've promised to see us through all the way through until we get to heaven. And Lord, we go through struggles. We go through trials and difficulties and problems in our lives. But we thank You that You're there with us all the way. And Lord, please help us to be victorious, to be surrendered to You. Please hide me behind the cross. And Lord, may the word spoken today touch our lives and may it be a blessing to our souls. We ask that you'll hide me behind the cross now as we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, at various times in our lives, we experience times of discouragement. And I think if I would ask for a show of hands, which I won't this morning, I think that every hand would go up that you've had a time in your life, maybe recently or maybe now or maybe not too long ago, that you went through a time of discouragement. And the Lord knows that we go through these times in our lives. Sometimes we ask ourselves, why are these things happening to us? Why are people against us? Circumstances against us? Why are we hurting? Why do we have this pain? We don't understand it. I'm going through a discouraging time. We get down. But you know, the devil wants to put you down and he wants to keep you down. Christ wants to lift you up and keep you up. And that's the encouragement that we have in our lives today. You know, the word discourage and discouragement, they're nasty words. They're negative words. We don't like them. Really, when you define the word discourage, it means to deprive of courage, hope, or confidence, to dishearten. The opposite are two wonderful words, encourage and encouragement. And that's what the Lord gives to us in our lives. The subject we're going to look at today is the subject of overcoming discouragement. Because we're all going to go through it at one time or another, maybe like I said, maybe even now, and the Lord gives us the recipe from His Word on how to overcome it. Because He doesn't want us to go around discouraged. He wants us to be encouraged by His power, His love, and His grace in our lives. If you turn with me this morning to the second book of Corinthians chapter 4, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians chapter 4 beginning at verse 16. Reading from the New King James Version, 2 Corinthians 4, we'll read 16 through 18. Here the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, recently I've been going through some tough times and certain things and, and discouragement set in. I was discouraged. And you can't stay discouraged long if you go to the Lord and you start thanking Him for what He's done. And you start realizing that all that we have in Christ is so abundant. We're rich in Christ. 
And when we start thinking of all our past blessings, discouragement flees away. It really does. And we can have victory over it. And we don't have to stay discouraged. A man named William Ward, a godly Christian man, once said, discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust of the future. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, and unawareness and insecurity of the strength for tomorrow. Yes, he says, it is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. Can you ever imagine if we're not thankful, what we really are is impolite to God. We get discouraged. I don't have this, Lord, like she has. I don't have that like he has. My circumstances are really bad, Lord. I don't have it good like this person or that person. You know what we're telling the Lord? I'm not satisfied with my life. I'm not satisfied with what you've given me. I'm not happy with my circumstances. And we become like children. You know, when children aren't happy with their way, what do they do? They pout. And you expect that of a little child as they grow up. But we're spiritual children. We shouldn't pout, but sometimes we do. We don't get our way. We don't get what we want. It doesn't go smoothly for us. So what do we do? We get down. We get discouraged. And the Lord does not want us to be discouraged. He wants us to be encouraged. And hopefully this message will be an encouragement today. You know, there's two kinds of people in the church. Two kinds of people. You have the encouragers and you have the discouragers. Some with the gift of encouragement. And we like that. We like to be around encouraging people. In fact, Bill gave Don Levi the term Barnabas. He says the son of encouragement. He calls him that. And that's a wonderful thing for us to be encouraged. But you know, some people I think have the gift of discouragement. And we don't like to be around those kind of people because in everything they find something negative. In the negative, they find more negative instead of finding a positive in that negative. You know, I once thought, and I've thought about it frequently, when you go out on a day on sunshine like today, it's beautiful. You say, the sun is shining today. The sun is out. It's great. But what do we say on a cloudy day? The sun didn't come out today. Is that really true? No. Because even though it's cloudy, even though it's rainy, the sun is still shining up there. And it's not coming through the clouds as much. So we say the sun isn't out, but it's there. And it's like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. He's there in our lives all along the way, helping us, caring for us, even though sometimes the clouds shadow His, His presence from us. But may the Lord encourage us to realize that these trials that we go through, these afflictions that we go through, should not bring us down, but they should be used of God to build us up and to make us the people He wants us to be. I'd like to look at three things from this passage this morning. First of all, light affliction. Secondly, momentary duration. And third, eternal rewards. Let's look at the first one, light affliction. I like what the Apostle Paul does in this section. He begins it with a statement saying, therefore, do not lose heart. That's what being discouraged is all about. You lose heart. You don't want to go on. You want to quit. You want to give up. You want to throw in the towel. How many remember the boxer Roberto Duran a few years ago? He was fighting in a, in a championship bout against Sugar Ray Leonard and the two were battling it out in one of the greatest boxing matches ever. Well, all of a sudden in, in the, one of the later rounds, he threw in the towel. He said this, no mas. In other words, no more. I give up. I quit. And it was a sad thing and he quit. He came back though and fought again, but he said no mas. 
The sad thing for us as Christians is sometimes we feel like saying that. Lord, it's too much. Too much, Lord. I can't handle this trial. I can't handle this difficulty, Lord. You've given me too much to handle on my plate. Can't handle it. I give up. The Lord says, don't give up. I know you can't handle it. I can handle it for you. If you surrender it to me, I'll be with you, as that song sang that Jenny sang, all the way to that golden shore until we get to heaven. He'll be with us. He just doesn't want us to give up. He wants us to be strong in Him. Now, you think about the Apostle Paul. He was a great man of God, but he went through some very tough experiences in his life. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, you'll see in these verses that I'm going to read to you all that Paul went through. He went through some discouragement in his life and we're going to read some of the things that he experienced that we never go anything through anything like this, but it, we do go through some trials. Notice what it says in verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was shipwrecked. Three times, excuse me, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. I don't think any of us can say we even came close to going through what the great Apostle Paul went through. He went through some very hard times. We think, Paul, you must be a superhuman. You must have been a super saint to be able to go through that. No? Just like us, flesh and blood, but he had the Holy Spirit with him. He had the promises of God and he didn't give up. He didn't give up when he was put in prison. He didn't give up when he went all through these things. And he carried on. He kept going. And there was a time in Paul's life and we read of it in Second Corinthians chapter 1 where it says he was so much in despair almost to the point of death he says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. And we were burdened beyond measure and above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, so that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And that's a very good point in that verse. Paul went through discouragement. He went through hard times. But he realized that the reason for it was that he wouldn't put his trust in himself. He wouldn't put his trust in anything or any man or any woman in this world, but his trust would be completely in Christ. And that's the only way we can face life adversities and the things that happen to us in our life and the discouragement that come to realize that the Lord is in control. Just like I said, the sun is still shining. He's still in control. And he's still working in our lives. And we can thank him for that. I once thought of a story. Can you imagine if I used to live in the days of the Old West and I came to a dry, dusty town called Discouragement? I entered a place called the Discouragement Hotel. 
and spoke to the innkeeper and said, Howdy, stranger. And he said, Would you like a room? And I said, Yeah, what kind of rooms you got here? He said, Well, we're nearly booked up, but we got the crying room on the first floor. We got the misery mansion on the second floor. And we just happened to have the depression suite available on the top floor. I said, say, um, when is the next stage available out of this town? He said, every hour. There's always room for one more. In fact, we don't get many Christians like you staying too long in our town. I said, yes, I reckon I'll take the next stage out. Say, where do you catch that stage? He said, down there at the corner of Encouragement Boulevard and Prayer Lane, right across the street from the Bible bookstore. (laughs) You know, it's a funny story, but it really tells you if you go to live in the town of discouragement, it's only going to get worse because you start feeding off of that. The little kids, they call it having a pity party. Getting down and feeling like, woe is me, why is this happening to me? So we take a room in the discouragement hotel. And the longer you stay there, the worse it is. You know, discouragement is very easy to slip into, but very hard to get out of. It's like being in this big pit with mud and you try to crawl out of that discouraging pit and you just slide back further down. And it gets discouraging even more. But when we call on the Lord, He's there to help us. He says, here, I'll lift you out. And He lifts us out of that pit of discouragement. Thank God for that. That in the midst of all that we go through in our lives, we can trust the Lord because He wants to lift us out of discouragement. You know what He says here in this verse in our chapter? He says, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know, we can all relate to this verse. Some of us are are getting grayer. Some of us are losing more of our hair. Some of us have aches and pains on top of aches and pains. And some of us have even more pain than that. But no matter what we go through and no matter how discouraging it seems right now, the Lord says, I'm with you. I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That's a promise you can take to the bank of heaven and you know that God always fulfills His promises. Yes, we can be thankful for that. One day I, read of a, I was reading a story here just uh, yesterday about the hymn writer. Her name was Sevilla Martin. She wrote that beautiful hymn, His Eye is on the Sparrow. And where she got her inspiration was she went to visit one of her friends, her Christian friends, who was bedridden and ill. And she went into her and she said this to her. She said, said, tell me, do you ever get discouraged because of your physical condition? Well, she responded very quickly, Mrs. Martin, how can I be discouraged? When my heavenly Father watches over every little sparrow and I know He loves me and He cares for me. Within a few minutes, Mrs. Martin completed the writing of her hymn, which has been a source of encouragement to so many Christians down through the years. You know, here was a woman, if anybody could start feel bad for herself, it's a bedridden person in pain and there she was. But notice what she was doing. She was looking to the Lord. She was saying, if God is caring about little sparrows, the tiny little birds, He's caring about me. Why should I complain? Look what God has done for me. And that's the kind of attitude that the Lord wants us to have. So she wrote these words, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? 
When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. You know, when you go out of your house in the morning, you don't go out alone. The Lord is with you. And everything you face during the day, everything I face during the day is with the Lord. And it's filtered through what the Lord allows. And He never allows more in our lives than we can handle. And He loves us and He knows what's best for us and how to grow us and make us more like Himself. And that's what He's doing every day in our lives. That's why Paul could say, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Have you ever thought of your trials as light? No, we don't think of them as light, do we? Because when they're coming upon us in, in groups, in bunches, in waves, in, they don't seem light. And I don't think Paul is making light of the fact that trials are not heavy. They are heavy. But notice how he compares our light affliction to the weight of glory that is in Christ Jesus. Compared to our glories in Christ, these trials are light and the glories are heavy. But so many times the devil comes in and he, and he speaks to us and he tries to discourage us. He says, you got too much. God's given you too much. Give up. You can't handle that. There's no way you can handle it. And we have to come back to the devil and say, get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. You're right, I can't handle that, but he can He's my Savior. He's given me victory. And we can say, devil, get lost. And he will. Thank God for that. When you know, when we saw that movie, The Passion of the Christ, one of the touching parts of that movie was our Savior carrying the cross. He had been beaten beyond recognition. I don't believe how he could have even carried it as far as he did and he just collapsed. But you know what? The Lord Jesus, if he was here today, I'm sure would tell us that that cross, though it was heavy, was really light because he loved you and I so much. And he knew that that cross and that death and crucifixion was going to lead to your salvation and my salvation. He says it's light. He says, oh, for the joy that was set before me, I endured the cross, despising the shame, and now I've sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Light affliction. Yes, when we compare it with the glories we're going to have when we enter into heaven, these trials, these afflictions are going to just vanish away. We're not even going to remember them. We're going to be just thankful to the Lord for all that He's done for us. You know, the Lord Jesus once said to His followers, He said, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Did you ever think of that? Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And they tell us that when they used to have the animals that they would hitch up together, they would put the yoke on them. And if you had two animals of the same yoke, they could go together very well. Two oxen, two cows, whatever it would happen to be, two animals of the same. But you put two different animals in, it's not going to work. That's why you have the expression unequal yoke. Well, when we take ourselves and put ourselves under the yoke of Christ, then it's easy and the burden is light. Because no matter what we go through, we're yoked up with Christ and He says, I'll get you through it. I'll take you through it. And I will be a blessing to your soul. Yes, what a blessing it is to know that it is an eternal weight of glory. Someone once said, we may find our burdens on earth so heavy to bear, but soon the weight of Christ's glory will wonderfully share. And that's true. He says, if we suffer with Christ, 
one day we're going to reign with Christ. And that's the blessing and that's the encouragement. And the more you study the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God, you can't stay discouraged. The devil wants you to stay discouraged. Don't let him. Get the victory over it through the Word of God and through prayer and through surrendering to Him. And He will be your victory. You know, the Lord Jesus considers our burdens so important. He cares for us. Sometimes we think, I don't want to bother with the Lord with this little trial I'm going through. He already knows all about it. He knows the duration of it. He knows what He's going to do through it and how He's going to take you through it. And He says in the Scriptures that He is a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. And He was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So we think anything I'm going through in life, the Lord Jesus has already gone through that. And He's going to take us through it too. And what a blessing it is. That's why Peter could say, the one who had spent so much time with the Lord, he could say to the Christians in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Yes, Jesus cares for us. He takes into account everything that we go through. It even says in Scripture that He's got a little bottle. He collects our tears in His bottle. Can you imagine that? How many tears does Jesus have of yours in His bottle? How many? He counts the number of hairs on your head. We don't know how many are there. He does. He knows everything. He knows what's going to happen to us this week, next week, a month from now, a year from now, way into the future. He knows everything. He loves us. Yes, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Notice that it says that it's just for a moment. You know, these trials that we have don't come to stay, they come to pass. I think it was our brother Rick Wooten one day that spoke on a message like that. It came to pass. And aren't you glad that trials come to pass? They don't come to stay. And they come for a short time and God allows it. And when you compare the time that you go through a particular trial, that I go through a trial, it's just a little tiny millisecond compared to eternity. Compared, it's so tiny. And the Lord says, I love you so much and I'm going to bring you through these trials. A man named Andrew Murray once said, be assured that if God waits longer than you could wish, it is only to make the blessing doubly precious. God waited 4,000 years till the fullness of time came ere He sent His Son. Our times are in His hands. He will avenge His elect speedily. He will make haste for our help and not delay one hour too long. You know, I was thinking about yesterday, I was praying for the saints and I was thinking about all the different requests that we have on our prayer sheets, you know, on Monday night. And it's amazing. And when you think about it, we can relate to this person's out of work or this person's got a physical trial or this person has a car issue or whatever it is. We can relate to those. And God allows us to be able to do that so that with the comfort we have been given, we can comfort others. And that's such a blessing, such a blessing indeed, because we can feel with each other and we know that our faith is tested. And yet God is not going to wait one hour too long to come through for you. He's got a job for Nick. And I told him today, he's going to unveil it at just the right time. And it's going to be doubly precious because you had to wait. You know, if you get something right away, you're happy, you're thankful. But when you have to wait and then it comes, the answer then comes, you're going to praise God with hallelujahs because you're going to say, yes, Lord, I waited and you came through as he always does. Sometimes 11th hour, 59th minute. Sometimes he waits till the 59th second before. You know, recently we watched that basketball game between the um, Lakers and the Spurs. The one fellow, Tim Duncan, made the shot with 
four-tenths of a second left and they thought, oh, they were just celebrating. We have the game. We beat the Lakers. This is great. But they forgot there was four-tenths of a second left. Well, you can't do much with four-tenths of a second except pass the ball to Derek Fisher, who's a Christian, by the way. And he threw it up as a prayer and it went in. Amazing. Two unbelievable shots. But think of that. Four-tenths of a second. It's not much. God's not going to let you wait that much too long. He's got it perfectly timed in our lives. Think about the different characters in the Bible, men and women who went through so many great trials. You think of Job and all that he went through. You think of Elijah who got discouraged. He went out into the wilderness and he was ready to give up until the Lord came to him and said, go on. And then you think about Daniel and his friends and you think about Naomi and what she went through and many different people in the Bible that we can relate to who went through trials and sufferings and difficulties. You know what? They got discouraged, but the Lord was with them and they overcame it and became victorious in him. Yes, we can thank the Lord for that. So we see that there's light affliction, there's momentary duration, and then finally, eternal rewards. In verse 18, it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen our eternity. Well, that really speaks to us, doesn't it? You know, everything that we can see in this life is temporary. From the clothes we wear to the car we drive to the nice home we have, whatever it is, temporary. Temporary. And we have these things. We enjoy these things. We're stewards of these things. But when the Lord raptures us or calls us home through death, whatever it is, we're going to leave it behind. So really, why do we put so much emphasis on these worldly things? It's amazing. And it reminds me of the story of the psalmist in Psalm 73. He got so discouraged in Psalm 73. He says, these, these people, Lord, they're, they're wicked, they're evil, they're unsaved, and they're prospering, and they're, they seem to be blessed, and they, they're in good health, and they have all these things. They have the health club memberships, and they have the nice homes, and the vacation homes, and they have the yachts, and they have all these things. And Lord, I don't have any of this. And then it says, he went into the sanctuary of the Lord. And he understood their end. And he realized that, yes, they have all these things, but that's all they have. That's all they have is these things. They're going to leave it behind when they go. You know, they say when the baby is born, it's born with its hand like this, clutching, gripping, wanting to grip the things of the world. Grip, grip. But when the person dies, their hand is like this. They can't take it with them. None of us will take it with them. That's why sometimes it's humorous, but they say you'll never find... U haul van behind a hearse. It's true because the person's going to eternity and they cannot take even their favorite things with it. One person liked a Corvette, so they buried him in the ground inside the Corvette. Can't take the Corvette with him. We're going to have better cars in heaven if there is such a thing, but there'll be better things in heaven for us, better blessings for us than the things of this world. And yet, sometimes we need to refocus because our focus gets off the Lord. It gets off these things and we start focusing on what we don't have and that gets us discouraged. We think of what others do have and that gets us discouraged. And then we have to refocus, just like when you go into the eye doctor and they start focusing that machine. A or B? One or two. You know how they're trying to zero in your focus to give you the right prescription. Well, the right prescription is to put on God's glasses and to see things through His perspective, which is the right perspective. And to see it in the right way. Yes, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. No, thank you. I may not own a home in, in this world, but I have one in heaven. 
And one brother reminded me that the other day. And I said, Lord, I'm so thankful. I'm going to have a mansion in heaven. It's going to be great. It's going to be bigger than anything we could have here on earth. Better than anything. And I'm going to live in it forever. What could be better about that? No mortgage payments. No insurance payments. There'll be no things that will happen. No termites can get to it. Nothing. It's my mansion. And we're all going to have a great mansion in glory. Bill McDonald says in about verse 18, he says, In this verse, the word look does not merely describe human vision, but rather it conveys the idea of regarding a thing as important. As far as the things which are seen are concerned, they are not the goal of our existence. The unseen might include the glory of Christ, the blessing of one's fellow man, and the reward that awaits the faithful servant of Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. Oh boy, I can't wait. This world, when you put your eyes on Jesus and the things that we're going to have in the future, this world takes on less of a lure and less of a desire for us. We can thank the Lord that these light afflictions that we go for through are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But you do have to work, look out for these three dastardly deeds. Discouragement, depression, and downness, if you, want, if you will. Being discouraged, being depressed, and being down. There's those three things. But when we come to the Lord, He does the opposite for us. He encourages us. He takes us out of depression and lifts us up. And He puts us onto a higher plane, onto higher ground. Recently, I read the story in the Daily Bread. I was really blessed by it. Because the Daily Bread said this, Sometimes it doesn't take much to get us down, does it? An unkind remark from a friend, bad news from the auto mechanic, a financial setback, or a misbehaving child. Not that we have any misbehaving child, children here. But these things can put a cloud of gloom over our lives so that even the simplest tasks seem drudgery. But it doesn't have to be that way. Yes, life can be unbearable at times, but don't let it keep you down. Meditate on God's goodness. Talk to Him and let Him know that He hears you. So in conclusion today, we can rejoice for the fact that though we go through times of discouragement and we may be going through it right now, we don't have to stay there. We don't have to say, I'm, going to stay, I'm not going to stay one night in that discouragement hotel. I don't want to stay there. I want to get on the next stage out of town and I want to go back to where the Lord has for me because when we trust in Him, we won't be discouraged. We really won't. We'll be encouraged. That's why the hymn writer said this, When I am sad at heart, teach me thy way. When earthly joys depart, teach me thy way. In hours of loneliness, in times of dire distress, in failures or success, teach me thy way. Just remember, when you're down, look up. Because the Lord does not want you to be down on the floor. He doesn't want us to wallow in pity. He wants us to get up. He says, Dean, come on. You've been down too long. Come on, let's go. And He will give us victory over discouragement. We will be overcomers with His help. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank You when we think of what You've done for us through the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ died for us, invested His life in us. We thank You for all the blessings of heaven that we have, spiritual blessings, and our home in heaven waiting for us and our mansion. Lord, we're so encouraged. Help us not to be discouraged when things happen in life and we just want to give up and it's going very difficult, whether it's a circumstance or a person that's bothering us. Help us to take it to you in prayer. Just like Hezekiah did, Lord. He took the letter 
that that king of Assyria had brought. And he brought it to you, Lord, and you gave him the victory and you gave him the triumph. Lord, we want to thank you for this day. We pray you'll dismiss us with your blessing. Help us to go forth today encouraged. Help us to be an encouragement to others and not a discouragement. Help us to lift one another up until you take us home. We just thank you in your precious name. Amen.